Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. Hello, everyone. We have a very special guest today, a famous painter and sculptor from Nigeria, Collins Abinaro. Collins was born in a small town in Nigeria. He gained his education in that same small town before moving to the School of Art and Design in Edo State, Nigeria. Collins has a national state diploma in painting as well as a higher national diploma in sculpture. Collins is a prolific painter and sculptor who draws inspiration from his environment, from humans to animal figures, often trying to convey human experiences and a deep soul content in his art. So we're absolutely honored to have you on the show today. Um, And we would love to ask you some questions about your work. Okay, great. No problem. I'm, I'm all yours. Wonderful. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself and your artist journey. Well, um, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm traditionally from Delta States, uh, Nigeria, uh, the southern part of Delta States. Um, I, grew, I grew up in local, my local community in the rural environment, you know, where we had a lot of um, more traditional um, settings, you know, uh, growing up as a person. And, had great influence from those in my journey as an artist. And um, I basically started out, um, discover myself very early as a young child from the primary school level. You know, I suddenly realized that I could do drawings and create things. You know, I was very, very handy. I make sculptures out of um, what we used to traditionally call red sand. But now, now I know better, it's actually called clay, you know. And um, at early, early pressures actually uh, against studying arts or uh, specializing in arts because of the uh, settings that I grew up in. You know, my state is an oily state. So basically, the average parents want their children to probably go into engineering. So you could, walk, you could end up in the oil and gas, you know. But here you have a young child or a young boy who wants to, do, wants to go into arts where uh, in terms of career, wise there were really no visible prospects you know as far as i'm concerned within my environment for my parents so to them it wasn't like a very secure uh, career to venture into you know for you know for for a young uh, boy such as i was at that time but i wasn't really uh, um looking at uh, prospects you know at that age it was more about curiosity Mm. You know, it was more about raw passion and love for uh, the abilities that I have, you know, and just being able to communicate through what I have, uh, I was able to do at that time. So um, I actually unconsciously noticed that I started at that time to use my art as a form of um, protest against my father, Mm. you know, because I would literally... (laughs) you know, draw and make scribbles on the walls of our house, in and outside, you know, and, and that would often piss him off, 
you know, because he comes back from work and he's seen paintings all over outside the house and inside, you know, and I'll copy pictures from um, uh, the photographs we have at home, you know, and even make drawings on my notebooks, you know, because um, I didn't have um, drawing books to draw on. Mm. So the only books that I had to draw on were my notebooks and my textbooks. And this will often piss him off, you know, more like I was wasting all the materials or destroyed everything around. But I was just a curious boy at that time. But good enough, I, I basically had a teacher uh, at my secondary school level who sort of had a talk with me because he noticed the struggle I was going through, you know, and uh, the pressure was so hard at some point that I started actually reconsidering the choice I was going to do, uh, I was going to have as a career, maybe I should probably just uh, settle down, you know, and do law, if that would please my father and take me away from the whole pressure and all that. But he told me something that still drives me till now, that first, my father is generation, it's, it's a generation ahead of me, mm. which means that he's not going to be there for me forever, you know, and have my own life to live. So if I start up now, pleasing him, will I continue to please him all my life? You know, so he actually pushed me to stick to what I want as long as I'm very sure of my decision, you know. So that kind of gave me courage and more confidence to just keep doing what I was doing. And through all these struggles, I was able to get into school to study arts, you know, and make certain decisions on the kind of school to go and um, uh, what to expect as well. So my journey basically started from those very rough beginnings and getting into school. And um, from school, uh, studying arts, I was exposed to even more broader possibilities of what I could do with art. Mm. You know, that it beyond just being able to copy pictures, you know, but that basically art is actually a tool for me. You know, is it too for me to achieve or to become whatever I want to become? Mm. You know, it's not just the ability to copy images, but mm. uh, what you're able to communicate with these abilities is the most important thing. So I started building on myself, reading a lot of materials, um, studying very, very, uh, I was, I'm hard on myself. I'm still very tough on myself. I, I, I multitask myself, you know, I will push myself to whatever extent I think my, sometimes beyond my physical uh, body would carry, you know, just so I'm able to achieve certain things, you know, and um, graduated 2012 from art school. And um, I practiced um, as a full-time studio artist till date and was still growing, was still on the journey. Yeah, so maybe I'll stop uh, right there for now. Now, are your parents... Um do your parents appreciate the fact that you're so driven within your art and do they accept it more um, that you're artist now instead of like a lawyer or engineer? Everybody, everybody, everybody in my family is, um, everybody's excited. Everybody's happy, nice. you know, because I've been able to achieve beyond um, anybody's expectations. You know, they never realized that I could do, I could be so much more, you know, but mm -hmm. now I'm, I think I'm so much more than I, I personally even anticipated for myself. So everybody around me is excited for me. You know, it's been prayers and more blessings. Yeah. Wonderful. Nice. 
Phil and I both went to school for art, um, but my question to you is, what was that experience like for you studying art um, in Nigeria? And what is that process? Were you more focused on skill or was it a opportunity for you to study anything that you wanted? Um, just take us on that journey as far as your educational artistic practice goes. Okay, so consciously now, I think when I look back at my journey, uh, what drove me to school was skill, you know, because I just wanted an opportunity to be able to uh, fine tune the abilities that I had, you know. But then, um, because I'm also one very extremely curious person who wants to uh, study anything or understand everything that happens around me, mm -hmm. you know, uh, my encounter when I got to school, I first of all concentrated actually on developing my skill. You know, that was the first focus for me. And it wasn't until I think um, towards um, my last two years in school that I actually started focusing a lot more on other possibilities for me. Mm. You know, and then I realized that if I'm going to do this, uh, uh, I'm going to embark on this journey as an artist, it should be more than just the ability to create. You know, it should be about what I'm creating. You know, the stories I'm able to tell, the changes I'm able to, 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 to make, you know, so I had to actually literally started reading. And these actually continued throughout uh, my last um, few uh, uh, remaining years in school. And um, also when I started practicing uh, outrightly, because what, uh, Lagos is one very complex um, state uh, where it's, the competition for art is crazy. Mm -hmm. Because you have a lot of very skillful artists here, fantastic artists here. So for you to be able to make an impact, you just have to look for something differently to bring to the table that will draw the attention of people. You know, so uh, I realized also that I had to work on uh, a lot more things beyond just the skill and um, uh, just the decision also to practice art. You know, now I'm, I'm, I'm still presently focused on my narratives you know, beyond just the skill, I'm still fighting, I'm still trying to understand a bit more. Um, I wasn't so uh, self-conscious, even in my early days when I started practicing, you know, until I think about two years ago, you know, I started becoming self-aware, self-conscious, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, at some points in your life, you are chasing after certain things, which maybe you realize that actually really the main things you should be chasing after, you know, and then you suddenly realize that uh, you are supposed to be a part of a system, you know, and being a part of the system, you're also supposed to be able to decide where you want to belong mm -hmm. as part of the system. You know, you want to be part of those who just want to more like spectators, you mm -hmm. know, or you want to be part of those who are actually being able to make certain changes or make certain impacts. You understand. So realizing that and also realizing also that the biggest and strongest tool that I had was art had to make me also start to embark on certain kind of different journeys as well as spirituality um, and so that I can get I can become more self-conscious. I can become more aware of who I am and, and, and what I'm actually here to do, you know, with the gifts that I have, because the gifts shouldn't for me. I think the gift shouldn't be the major focus. You know, the gift is a tool. What, what I have is a tool, so it should, the priority shouldn't be just developing the tool. 
the priority should be what you're going to do with the tool. You know, so that's still the, the process that I'm undergoing, still trying to develop, still trying to understand a bit much more and seeing how far I can go. Yeah, so but for the art schools in Nigeria, at this stage, there still seems to be a lot more focus on skill. Mm. You know, especially if you're going through uh, the Polytechnic, we have two different, uh, two different kind of um, high institutions here. You have the Polytechnic, you need a lot more concentration on skill and abilities, you know. So, and I intentionally chose to uh, uh, go into the Polytechnic because it, will, it helped me develop my skill more, you know. Because for me, uh, art, is, art is visual. It's mm. more visual for me, you know. So if it's, if it's more visual for me, I should be able to develop that part of me, mm. you know, then why I grow with any other thing. So a lot of people go through the Polytechnic more, why for the university uh, students, it's a mix of both. You know, it's more of 50-50 of both. And by the end of the day, it's still about what you're able to do with what you have. Okay. Yeah, it's still more personal than just the institution. Um, we know that art is one of the oldest forms of communication in humanity. What are you trying to communicate with your art on certain pieces? I, I, uh, for me, when I create, I rely more absolutely on my spiritual strengths than on my mm. physical strengths. Mm. You know, because there was a time where I, I had more focus on my physical strength, which was the ability that I mentioned earlier. But at this phase of my practice, I am consciously depending more on my spiritual strengths. You know, the ability to actually literally have certain images projected to me first before I create. You know, so right now I just don't wake up and create because I, I saw a beautiful picture. You know, what mm. happens to me now is I often wake up with projected images in my mind and mm. sometimes they are, they are physical to me, you know, and it happens on almost on, on daily basis, you know, when I'm working or in my regular life, you know, certain images have to be projected first. I have to see it for me to create it. Now, when I see such images or such uh, uh, projection, um, I first often will try to understand why it's given to me. Why, is, why do I have this sort of projection, you know, and what's the content of it? Um, initially, at very early stages, it was difficult for me to actually understand it. You know, um, I felt indifferent. I started feeling indifferent at certain points because um, uh, there is a way people uh, look at you when you tell certain personal encounters. Mm. You know, as Africans, they necessarily tell you maybe you're, you're possessed or something, you know. But when I realized that um, it's, it's, it, is, it is a journey for me and it's a special bit. And I read, I actually, uh, I read a book, uh, The Artist Way, that helped me find a way to be able to uh, put down and document some of the images or projections that I'm constantly having. You know, mm. so what I do a lot of times is when I have such images, I would often write down. I write down a lot of them and uh, make drawings as mm. based on what I have seen. You know, some most of the time they are caricatures. You know, and then I start looking for models and um, subjects that would best uh, refine them into giving more stronger visual representation. And uh, still on that um, spirituality and uh, depending on what is projected to me, what is given to me. At the initial stage, it's actually not a total uh, package yet. 
you know, mm-hmm. while I'm still in my creative process, translating the, these writings or these drawings into visual, uh, stronger forms, my, I'm spiritually very open-minded, you know, so in between, I'm open to still receive more information on what to put and what to take out, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I, it's difficult for me sometimes, but as I'm growing, I'm maturing, I'm understanding better, you know. So when I had my first solo show last year, it was more like the height of one of the most uh, 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 creative experience I've had the whole of 2018 and 2019, because I kept on having these experiences. I kept on trying to uh, interpret them as much as I could, you know. So the result were, was creating set, and exhibiting certain works last year and having these same uh, exhibits playing out in 2020. Most of them are playing out currently. We have the piece that has to do with coronavirus, coronavirus which is a cosmic man. And mm. we have pieces that, that, that dealt with mental slavery and the, the issues of um, uh, personality that the African, uh, Africans are going through, which mm. is currently still playing out in Nigeria with people suddenly realizing quickly that the part to, 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 to change anything is, is, is in them. So if they are able mm-hmm. to conquer their mental state, they are able to take over um, the, the entire system. You know, so now I'm, 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 I'm more excited. I'm definitely more excited in my spirit every day and, and being more open and trusting my, my spiritual force or my guidance more. Because now to me, whatever is given to me, I, I trust it. I believe it. I don't doubt it. I just go ahead and create because I know it's either going to be something that will deal with today or something that will play out in the future. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So you are a multidisciplinary artist, but what led you on the journey of using cutlery for your sculptures? <laughs> Please elaborate more on that experience and how you came about to even coming up with that idea. Okay. Um, that came up. I made my first cutlery piece in 2012. You know, that was my last year in school. But what I noticed was in 2011, when I resumed, because usually for diploma programs, you do two years program, you go on six months or one year uh, uh, internship program, then you resume for two more years, you know. So for my one year break that I had, I actually, chose not to um, uh, be assigned to any, any uh, organization or institution. I chose actually to, to be independent on, with, on, with that one year, you know, because I had to do self-discoveries and make decisions about my future at those times. You know, so when I resumed uh, uh, my, the last two years of the program, I kind of resumed school with a very different kind of mindset completely, you know, and my mind were open to a whole lot of things, you know. So when I resumed, I resumed as someone who is going on adventure, mm. you know, to, dis- to, make, to make discoveries, you know, and I'll often have conversations with my, my classmates in school and tell them stuff that I would want to do, you know, how I want the entire process to, to be like for me and even tell stories about life after school and things that I want to achieve. You know, so when we were uh, assigned to do certain research pro- uh, projects, 
on uh, material explorations, trying to discover new um, uh, mediums in practice in sculpture, you know, against the conventional mediums that were used to clay, stone, uh, fiber, uh, bronze, and the rest of them, conventional metal sculptures. They wanted us to explore different materials that have not been, uh, either not been ever explored before, or not been, or exploring the same mediums in a way different from what anybody has ever experienced. You know, so we had to go into certain practices. First, the focus more was on junk materials, you know, where we literally go around and pick junks. Sometimes go to junkyards, either pick or you buy, you know, and we developed this sort of practice in class. Every one of us used to do that, where periodically we would put all of our junk materials on the ground. We would pour them all on the ground, all scattered on the floor, and we will literally stare at them. Mm. You know, we will stare at them. And what we believe is that within these materials are embodied um, um, forms. You know, so by merely staring at them, uh, we believe that they will give back to you the form that you need to create with them. Mm. You know, and it's worked tremendously for every one of us. It's worked tremendously because. We have people that, are, uh, that were in my class, you know, that came up with really, really crazy ideas. I have a lot of uh, my classmates who work, some of them works with tire, boots mm. and knots. I, I work with cutleries and a whole lot of very crazy materials, you know. So for me, in the course of one of those exercises, you know, um, my mind was literally opened to the likeness of the handles of uh, the spoons that were that was part of the junk material that I had, looking very alike the feathers of birds, mm. you mm. know. And that was the point that I was like, okay, this is so much like this, you know. So I picked up the few that I had and started developing an armature and um, deciding what kind of bird I should work on. And I picked the cockroach because it was faster for me to create at that time. And um, the result was a very small miniature piece made with about 120-something pieces of cutleries. But um, the result was crazy. You know, everybody around me fell in love with the piece. My lecturers fell in, fell in love with it. My, everybody around fell in love with it. And that was the first that I, I had. But the truth is, I didn't see the bigger picture of how far I could go, you know, because here before me, I had other materials that I, I was able to also handle, I could work with and create really magnificent stuff with, you know. But when I was done with school, the first one year I had, um, I, I had no choice. When I looked at the options that I had, what kept coming to me was the cutlery. I had a lot of materials. I was exploring a lot of materials. But what kept coming to me to work with was the cutlery, you know. So I had to keep working on it. And the more I worked with it, the stronger I was being drawn to it. Mm. You know, like, it's, it's like a door that is open before me. When I open this door, another one is opening before me. So it's more like you open one, you're, you're, you're introduced to another one, and you keep opening more doors. And it's, it's, been, it's been one of the biggest experiences that I've had in my life because now beyond just um, birds that I started out with, I'm, I can literally create anything. I can literally tell any story 
mm. you know, or any experience. I can interpret anything with it, you know. So, uh, though I had early uh, criticism, you know, uh, when I started trying to uh, assess the art market here in Lagos, because some persons believed that uh, my medium, the medium is limited, that I might not be able to exceed just creating birds. Mm. But uh, I believe it's still the same. Life is a journey. What, what, we're, what we do now is how much we are given, you know, which means that there's still so much more to be given, you know, which will determine how much more we're able to achieve. So why worry about what is ahead when you, can, when you have a whole lot to do with what you're giving presently? So I'm more focused to what I'm giving every day because currently it's opening more doors. So what much more I can do? Now, when you create your pieces, you have an idea. Do you sketch the idea out first on paper and then create? Or do you just go hands-on and, and see how you can mold uh, your creation with the cutlery? Okay. Initially, I, I, I basically don't uh, sketch out my ideas before now. Mm. You know, I, I store the information in my mind. You know, I'm, mm. I'm, very, I'm very pictorial, like, a lot of things happens inside my mind, you know, beyond, I'm calm on the outward, you mm. know, but I'm very complex on the inside. I'm like the two kind of person, you know, outward I'm different, but what happens on my inside is different, you know? So I used to store a lot of images in my mind, but one, I realized that it wasn't, it was having uh, a lot of um, uh, effects on me as a person. Because I noticed that I was highly distracted a lot of time. I could be with, I could be with people, and I'm not there actually, mm. you know, I'm focused on what's happening on my inside. So I, I was having uh, challenges with that. And then I also realized that if I continue like that, I might not be able to have records or setting of the ideas that I have over the course of time. Mm. You know, because, you know, uh, I think as artists, we have much more ideas than we can actually create in a lifetime. You understand that? Absolutely. And, yeah. So because we have much more ideas, um, if, if, if I don't uh, document or sketch them out or write them, you know, if I don't have the opportunity to actually draw them out, uh, the future or the generation ahead, ahead might not be able to tell some of the stories that I have on my inside that I'm unable to translate into a more um, a, a tangible art. Mm. You know, so now I've cultivated the culture of literally sketching out first. Once it comes, whether I'm going to create now or not, I'm just going to sketch out first and sometimes take notes beside uh, all of my sketches. Mm. Yeah. Do you keep track of the pieces that you've already completed? Um, how many pieces do you have of the sculptures? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I, 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 I have, um, I can keep track. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, the only way I can do that now is go through the pictures, because I, I take um, uh, pictures I make photograph of most of my processes, you know, and stages, you know. So if I have to actually want to take records, I might have to go through all of the pictures. But I'm sure as time progresses, I will need to do that. So I have proper documentation of most of the works that I have. Mm. I've been able to create here. Yeah. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer more two-dimensional art or the three-dimensional art and sculptures? <laughs> uh, I, I love two-dimensional art because I think uh, initially I was more trained 
as a lot of people look at my my drawing if you've never seen my sculptures if you see my drawings you might actually think i'm a painter mm. you know a lot of people think i'm a painter before they experience my, my sculptures you know because i was actually first trained the the, the guy that mentored me uh, if you find a year student that mentored me when i got into school initially he's a painter you know so he basically mentored me as a painter mm. you know so most of the time when i draw my drawings are more painterly than sculptures you know, except for now that I'm trying to find a way to, to mix them all, all up, you know. But um, I think I have more uh, tendencies and more strength and passion for, for three-dimensional uh, uh, arts because, you know, two-dimensional for me is an illusion of what is mm. or sometimes most of the time what is not mm-hmm. because you actually can't feel it. You know, mm. it's represented by light and shade, you know, the light and dark and, and just on a flat surface, you know, so it's just an illusion. But sculptures brings to life what actually is in my mind, mm. you know. So when I create my sculptures, it's not an illusion. You can feel it. You can touch it. You can move around it. You know, you can actually be enhanced in the soul that is hidden within it. You know, so mm. I, I, I have stronger um, uh, passion, you know, and cravings to want to create or interpret uh, sculptures, my works in sculptures than in painting. Mm. I, still, I, still, I still draw a lot. You know, I have a lot of uh, uh, drawings at home and paintings at home that the public have never seen, you know. But those I do now more when... Um, I'm trying to take a break off from the sculpture studio, you know, but, you know, for art for me, I think I, I'm obsessed with, with creating art mm-hmm. that for, from the moment that I've stepped into school, school till date, I don't think I've thought of anything else outside art, mm-hmm. nothing else I, I, till date. And I don't think it's ever going to change, you know, so I leave my 24 hours thinking and living arts it's it's the only thing that it's the only experience that I, I i have you know so even if i'm watching a certain sport you know it still has to it's it still comes back to art at the end of the day when i have daily conversations with people you know it still finds unconsciously finds a way to connect to art so i spend my 24 hours living art you understand so um um Sculpture is stronger for me because I literally brings my ideas to life than just a mere, just mere illusion. Mm. Where was the first place outside of Nigeria that you exhibited your work? Okay, uh, that, that's in Abu Dhabi, UAE, 2014. Um, and uh, where I was invited you know via a, a concert that i had on on facebook and as a matter of fact i actually don't know her i didn't know her till that time mm. but she had followed my works uh, over time from when i was in school and at that time i was just i just rounded up my national youth service you know so she sent me the this certain dm one certain day i love her paintings she didn't know i was a sculptor actually but that i create sculptures you know she was she lost my my drawings and paintings so she sent me this DM if I would be interested in doing a residency, you know, and I've actually never traveled out of Nigeria before. 
Mm. You know, so I, I was like, okay, that would be great. But then I was skeptical because uh, I wasn't sure if it was real or it was a scam because a lot of things happened. On Facebook, yes. You never know. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had my dad. <clears throat> I never actually had um, um, my international passport till that time. You know, well, so when I told her, yes, I would love to, I told a friend and I was like, but I'm having that. I'm not sure if she's real or not. You know, but she, 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 she sent me more messages. She kept sending more messages and wanted to know more about me, you know. And it, I think about two weeks after, she asked if I could send my passport. I never had any, you know. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I had to start uh, processing and I was able to get my passport, sent the documents. And um, not long after, less than a month, I have my visa and passport, I mean, and, and travel ticket ready. Mm. Yeah, so, so that was like my first travel experience and lucky for me you know it was an all expense paid trip you know so i actually literally didn't have to worry about how to get fund and Lovely. all of that so, nice nice yeah yeah so that, that was my first international uh, travel ever and my first um, exhibition as well which actually led to me staying for two extra months against one month that i was supposed to stay Mm. because I touched down, I started working, and they discovered that this guy is beyond just what we saw at first. This guy is a lot, he's a lot, so let's exploit him. So they wanted me to stay longer than even uh, I stayed, but I was tired of staying. I needed to get back and do a lot more serious things here. You know, right. So that was my first trip ever. Any yeah. other trips outside of that, in addition yeah, to I've, that? Yeah, I've, I've also been to Saudi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed. I've noticed for some time now that the 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 middle the middle east seems to have programs that are trying to bring a lot of artists to their countries and do a lot of stuff. You know, so they basically will provide all the funds you need, including mm-hmm. your ticket and your visas and all that. So you have nothing mm-hmm. to worry about actually. You know, and yeah, inviting a lot of artists because for these two trips that I've I've had uh, made to the to the middle east, you know, um, it's always all expense paid. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. and they will have, uh, for the last one, we had about 47 or so international artists, mm-hmm. you know, hosted in one facility, you know, everybody paid for, mm-hmm. you know, and um, whatever kind of material you need is provided for. Wow. Mm-hmm. And if, if they can't find it in the country, they will go as far as import it for you. Wow. As long as you have whatever you want to create, hmm. you know. So, um, and it's it's a huge experience. So I noticed the the, the, the Middle East is they're constantly doing these programs, and um, I think they're also trying to open up their their world also their countries to you know to the to the world completely, so they can have more um, uh, uh, people uh, visiting. You know, I think everybody is trying to diversify, maybe except for Africa anyway. But all over the world, everybody's trying to diversify, but Africa is still kind of mm-hmm. still struggling to find their roots, kind of all trying to, you know. So those are the two trips that I've had. But I've also had my work exhibited in the U.S. Uh, in Mississippi uh, 2018, and my work has been exhibited in London as well. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but if not for the lockdown, I was supposed to be in London uh, early this year, but... Yeah. Corona happened. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your goal as a Nigerian multidisciplinary artist? 
<sighs> That's deep though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's deep because um, I think it's it's hard to to live in in Nigeria. In, mm. It's hard to to live in Africa and to be an first to be an African and to live in Africa and not think uh, Africa on Nigeria because of our experiences, our day to day experiences, mm. you know. And um, I I, ha I had an interview a couple of days ago. And um, I, I told I told the the interviewer that I think it's it's I don't know how some artists do it, but I think it's 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 difficult for me to create my art without having the Nigerian influence mm -hmm. on it, you know. And that no matter how rich and comfortable you've been able to accrue for yourself, you are affected by the issues that is affecting everyone. Mm. You know, so for example, as a Nigerian that is dealing with a lot of power issues, for example, um, when you leave your house, even if you're able to provide electricity for yourself, you leave your house and you have business to deal with somewhere, you get there and one of the biggest, you could be at the airport and the power will go off, mm. you know. Yeah, so, and you, you, you could be at the bank and power will literally go off at the bank. Mm -hmm. and it might take like a couple more minutes for them to get power on, you know. And um, you're trying as a Nigerian to, to be as calm and be reserved as much as you can. But then you have the political issues that are, you know, strangling everyone. You know, the level, the height of corruption that is strangling everyone because it's the reason why things don't work as they should be. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have organized system, you know. And uh, not like we don't have what it takes to have an organized system, you know, because, well, because we have more individuals that are more interested in personal acquisitions or acquiring mm. more personal things than uh, fixing uh, the, the, the problem that is facing everyone, you know. And then you embezzle all of this, of, uh, all of this fund, and you mm. take this fund and take them outside the shores of Africa and spend them elsewhere, you know. And, mm. and you, you have the Lamborghinis and the um, the Ferraris, you know, and all of these crazy cars, and you can't even drive them on your streets mm -hmm. because the road to your house is terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't see how I don't know how people think that you could um, get this car to your house and you can't conveniently drive it because you can't you can't the road on your street is bad. The drainage system are horrible. You know, you're well dressed, looking polish, and you're driving and you're smelling so much. A bad order from the environment because the drainage system are all messed up, mm. you know, and nobody's worried about it, you know, and you have multiple experiences of accidents happening on the streets, mm. not literally because drivers are very careless, but because you have more potholes on the roads than the vehicles on the roads, actually, you know, so it's difficult to live in Nigeria without being, um, without being concerned about the challenges and uh, my biggest uh, goal as an, as an African, as an African creative is seeing how I can use my arts as a tool to, you know, impacting certain changes. Mm -hmm. Because um, I think the, the, the biggest uh, form or way we can in, uh, make, create certain changes is um, ideology, selling ideologies 
that we believe should be, you know, um, if you will physically try to go out there to fight the system, you might never actually get anywhere because mm. these guys are like having demons. They made up a mind to ruin the entire system and they are going to get at it, even if it means killing everybody, you mm. know. But when we sell ideologies and keep trying to have conversations, you know, and keep trying to um, have more discussions, one-on-one, especially one-on-one discussion with people that are less awoke, you know, it will, it will keep, people will keep getting, uh, uh, keep trying to get more informed. You know, people will know their rights. People will know how government runs. People mm. will know why they shouldn't actually accept certain kind of things from the system. And people will learn actually to stand up for their rights. You know, because there are times, there was this time in Nigeria where if you tell people that we should have better power supply, they will tell you that it's not possible. Mm. You know. And I actually never thought it's possible until I traveled out of Nigeria mm. and I lived for I lived in a facility for two months and the power never went out once, not even blink for like a second, mm. you know. And as a Nigerian coming from Nigeria who has never actually had um, experiences of constant power supply, it started feeling weird in my mind. Like how how would there just be power? Like, can't this thing just go off for a second? You know, mm. and and then I, I got back and I kept telling people these things are possible, it's happening everywhere. A lot of people have constant power supply and we can make this happen. And I keep telling you it's not possible, it's not gonna work. Mm. You know, we've we've driven we've driven for crazy kilometers in Saudi. A journey where you might have to drive like five kilometers to be able to see one building, you know, and all the roads are, are beautifully well made. Where people do not live, empty deserts, people don't mm. live there, and they have these crazy, beautiful roads, you know. And then back home, you have residence environment where people are living. People have been living all their lives, and they don't have access to such kind of roads. But then we have even much more, you know, natural resources than these other people have, mm-hmm. you know. But we have less to show for it. You know, so, yeah, my my, my biggest dream, my biggest goal that I'll feel very fulfilled, you know, when I get old and I'm I'm passing the the, the mantle to someone else is being able to see certain changes being made positively. You know, I'm personally excited about certain things that are currently happening in Nigeria for the past one week. You know, the the riots by people, the protests of young people coming out to say we're done with this thing. I think Mm. certain things to change, you know. It's, it's like um, something that a lot of people never saw was possible. Because the last time this ever happened was in the 80s, mm-hmm. where people actually stood up to government. And from that time till now, people, have been, people are scared because there's more martial laws in Nigeria than you know, you know, that anybody ever wants to experience. Like if, you, if you speak up, the next thing you're going to get is threats from the government or from certain people who just believe you shouldn't speak up and even you know, people are still getting threat messages and calls everywhere you know but it's more like people are the young people are snapping up like you're done yeah. you know so i think it's, it's beginning to happen gradually it's 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 we cannot we won't achieve it now because we're still not mature yet mm. you know, but it's a slight opening you know it's a slight opening in time you know to let us know that we can actually do it the power belongs to us. But 
I look forward to creating more kind of arts that would relate and uh, have more conversations, you know, that will help educate people and wake people up from their sleep. You know, yeah. I think everybody in Africa literally sleeping. I think a lot of it is um, the people who are in power think wealth is more monetary instead of generational. You know, right. when right. the wealth is spread around, around um, that's when the country becomes powerful. You know, that's when the people inside the country becomes powerful when you put that wealth into the generations. Yeah, right. It's, it's uh, yeah, you know, I think Africans seems to have looked at, at the way we behave. Like, sometimes we look at people and just want to, you know, assess their mind and, you know, try to understand why they think in a certain way, you know. Well, I think Africans kind of have this sort of um, godlike nature, mm. you know, somewhere inside of us. Like, there's a God that exists in every one of us, mm. you know, and it's not even a positive God, kind of, because we want to be worshipped. Mm. You know, we want everybody to, to bow down before us, you know. So what, what Africans basically do is to keep everybody in a position where they are below you. Mm. You understand? Like, we want everybody to be below, you know. So it's, it's best that I am I, able to gather so much where I look down on everybody else, why everybody's looking up to, mm. to me up here and I'm feeling so good about myself, you know. But I, I just don't feel, I, I think the real power is in being able to create a system that works for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I used to tell my friend that it would be a great feeling, you know, when every one of us are successful. If every one of us are successful, it's a great feeling for me. Mm-hmm. Than when I'm the only successful person in our midst, then I'm forming the, you know, the, the ogre, the top and all that bullshit. You know, every one of us should be successful. And we, we have all of these things, you know, hidden on our soil. Mm-hmm. Everything we need is right here. If, if, Africans, if Africans don't travel out of Africa to actually borrow, like what Africans are always doing, Africans, if we learn to uh, properly manage and explore the gifts that are hidden on our soil, we'll still be the richest in the world. African countries will still be the richest in the world because we have everything. Come to manpower, we have the biggest human uh, 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 investments. You know, Africans are so bright. We have one of the best brains all over the world. But Mm. everybody's running away because, like, Africa keeps swallowing or killing, you know, their best men. You understand? We have so much natural resource. We have gold. We have diamonds. We have mm-hmm. we have oil. We have everything. We have natural grains. You know, you don't have to put fertilizers on the ground for for trees to grow here. You know, but everything is growing naturally. We have we have sea. We have the sea. You know, so we really don't have to stress. But because we don't look inward, we look more outward. Mm-hmm. You know, we look more outward than inward because maybe we are not aware of. Who we are in the first place, we've lost, we've lost a sense of, of self, you know, self-awareness, you know, so we've lost our minds that we're just crazy everywhere and wants to sink everybody in the process, you know, but we have to keep pushing as much as we can with whatever tool that we have positively 
to educate people and sell the ideology of the Africa that we all desire. It's very interesting that you say that because I know that you say that a lot of us are looking outward rather than inward in the resources that we have. But what's been interesting for me to see on this side of the United States is how much Africans of the diaspora are so fascinated and interested in learning African history mm -hmm. and being connected with Africa. So I feel like maybe our duty in the future is to unite all of us as Africans and figure right. out how we can educate ourselves, educate our children and collaborate so that we can bring that wealth that already exists in Africa to ourselves. I think it'll, it'll make such a powerful statement. I think that even the youth now are, give, are showing us how social media can connect so many of us, but also introduce um, information that we may not have known. And SARS, I feel like, would may, may not have been as global unless we had, you know, social media social and media, right. the youth of Nigeria pushing that. Even, you know, anyone in Nigeria that wanted to bring awareness, we know what's going on because of that. And I feel yeah, like if right. we continue to make those connections and continue to have conversations as Africans on the continent and the diaspora, it can be such a powerful, powerful thing for the mm -hmm. continent. Um, yeah, so but, I just feel like bridging that gap between us as, as Black and African people. Yeah, that, that, that's the ideology that I'm always talking. Like, we have mm. to keep selling the ideology of the Africa that we want. Mm. You know, Definitely. not the Africa that we are currently seeing. You know, because the, the Africa that we're, we're currently seeing, it's a false image that is being projected to us. Mm -hmm. That's the true. Image, you know, it's, not, it's not the Africa that I think... Um, uh, a lot of us want, mm. you know, because we, we are aware of who we are. A lot of people are becoming more uh, awoken, you know, a lot of people are becoming more awoken. And um, um, so we know what we are capable of. If only we're able to uh, uh, maximize our potentials, you know, put to use, you mm. know, uh, putting uh, religion aside, mm. you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, you know, but I'm more of a spiritual Christian mm -hmm. than a religious Christian. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. you know, so it has nothing to do with my faith. You know, I can be praying and not be walking. Praying and not walking is religion. Because mm. they tell you, just believe it will come. Mm. You know, and you're not doing anything. And that's, that's the falsehood of part of the things that we've been taught here. Mm. You know, where people believe in, you know, we, we are all praying. Like, I, I was talking with a, a religious friend of mine. He's a pastor. And, and, and I was telling him, but he kept saying that we should keep praying that God will help us. And I was like, Nigeria is 60. I'm mm. independent, 60. So we all should die first. Mm. You know, what the truth is, what I know is God has helped us. If you believe in God, God mm. has helped us. But we've not helped ourselves. He has helped us by giving us all the tools and resources that we need to fix ourselves. Mm -hmm. But he's not going to come down here and fix the rules. Mm -hmm. He won't come down and give us power. Mm -hmm. You know, he won't come down and build all the uh, 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 infrastructures that we need. 
it will come down and, and, and create a constitution for us. We are supposed to act, you know, so the, the religion will make us uh, keep praying and believing without working, without the action. And I, have a, I personally have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm more of a spiritual Christian and a religious kind of person. Because I will tell you, while you pray, do what you have to do. Mm -hmm. you know, act, do what you have to do. If it's election, if you have to vote, go out there and vote. Get your mm -hmm. vote to start. It's one of the things that we're also trying to push, push currently. That while we're fighting to take away SARS, because SARS is just like a very minute section mm -hmm. of the entire system. In fact, it's not even a problem. It's just a pinch right. of the problem. You know, the real deal is the system, mm. you know. But uh, being able to use SARS, or SARS is on the limelight now because it's supposed to be like um, uh, a picture being projected that the change can come mm. if we learn to use our power, which is our voice, our ability to stand up and make our decisions and act beyond just sitting back and waiting for somebody else from the Western world to come and fix our countries for us. Definitely. You know, we, passed the, we, we just passed the, the bill, the, the budget for 2021. And in the midst of the coronavirus and people, uh, a lot of companies and uh, 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 people struggling to survive, you know, you're still having more reoccurrence uh, expenditures, you know, on the budget that is being passed. Mm. You know, on very useless things, like really, really useless things, you know, including changing cars for senators every year. For what? You know, including changing, certain, you know, cutting grasses, and certain things that actually doesn't make any sense. Mm. You know, instead of, everybody should make sacrifices because now you have increased taxes in Nigeria, you have electricity bill that is doubled, you have fuel price that is crazy right now. You know, why not cut down on, on expenditures on governance? Because you have, the cost of running governance in Nigeria is crazy. You know, why not cut down? Mm. You know, so SARS is just a, a, just a small portion of a bigger picture. Mm. You understand? Mm. But if, if people are able to speak up, that a lot of people don't actually not expect or believe it would happen then, it's possible that if we learn to use our power, you know, which is our voice, more of our voice, Definitely. you know, then a lot more can happen for us. Mm -hmm. um, just a few more questions for you. Um, how much time do you spend in the studio? <laughs> I've been, <clears throat> okay, for today, uh, I'm, I'm trying to like break my everyday life for you. I really don't have, like um, routine for me, because routines are boring. <laughs> yeah, routines are boring. I can't deal with the same thing over and over again. But on my my regular days, uh, I sleep less. I don't. I I am not good at sleeping at all. At times, I do four hours max, you know, daily. So I could be up by four or five, you know. Then stubble, uh, go into the studio on the inside the house and uh, sometimes have a long time to think and reflect on a couple of things, engage in some of my sketches and interpret some of my ideas, you know. Then by 6 a.m. max, I'm already at the studio. Mm. And my regular days will literally, I've been, I've been at the studio for morning, 
And I solidly remember that I have an interview and I have to come inside. <laughs> <laughs> so most time when I step into the studios by six, by uh, nine ten, I would take short break for uh, breakfast and get back again. And most of the time, work till it's dark. Mm. What kind of music do you listen to? <laughs> uh, Ellie, Ellie, I used to listen to a lot of rap. Not just every rap. Conscious rap. Mm. Like? I've currently fallen in love with uh, Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Actually, nice. his recent album, his re- recent album is deep. It's deep. There's a lot of awakening messages, mm-hmm. you know, in his recent album. You know, so I'm, I'm a crazy fan of Jay-Z. I'm a crazy fan of Lee Wayne. You know, beyond his craziness, beyond the F and the B word, he's a lot. I also hear a lot of messages. You know, so when I, when I listen to music, I'm not just vibing to the sound. You know, I am so keen on hearing every bit of word. Mm-hmm. You know, the artist is saying because that is where a lot of time artists would hide certain things. You know, um, behind their craziness, so you would have to pay real attention you know, to have a glimpse of the real thing. So I'm always, you know, my ears are deeply open to uh, to some of the things that Lewin would have to say. You know, so I listen to a lot of Jay-Z. Currently, my playlist regularly for some time now has been more of the recent album of, of Jay-Z. You mm. know, less, less R&D. Mm. Less R&D. My, love is, my wife is giving me too much love <laughs> right now, so I don't want to deal with extra love outside. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm more about developing my mental state than um, a lot of classicals. You know, I do a lot of classicals. I do a lot of jazz music as well. Mm. You know, um, I'm very, I'm a little bit very selective about um, um, Afrobeat is good, you know, but I'm picky about some of the artists that I'm listening to, you know, from the Afrobeats, the Nigerian mm. thing. You understand? So I currently will listen to I listen to a lot of Asha mm-hmm. as well. You know, she's fantastic. She's fantastic. I listen to a lot of Bonner Boy, especially his recent album. Mm-hmm. His recent album is sound. So I listen to, there are times when I play it um, the entire day. One last question. One last question. Um, mm-hmm. Can you define your art with three words? <laughs> My art in with three words, my art in two words is spiritual, mm. um, social impact, and self-confidence. Self-confidence, self words. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yes. Um, would you mind giving our audience your social medias and uh, how they can contact you and see your work? Okay. Um, I think uh, I'm very open and accessible via all of my social media platforms. Um, as busy as I can be, I often would have, uh, um, I always want to go back to my DMs and check and talk to people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, because when I create a, a lot of time, in fact, when I had my solo show last year, I, 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 I had this talk with the curator because I know a lot of the things that happen say when you do um, uh, exhibitions and you have the, the artist statement written somewhere at the entrance and mm. a lot of information about the show and you have to read through it. And sometimes I go to shows and it's boring for me, you know. Like the reason is because 
I think exhibitions are supposed to be about um, experiences. Mm. You know, so when I go to exhibitions, I want to have personal experiences or encounter with the pieces that I'm going there to see and not to read about whatever that is written there. Mm-hmm. You understand? Because honestly, I'm a creative person. You're a creative person as well. Mm. You know, when I go to exhibitions sometimes and I read what is written and look at the work, they literally don't connect. It's different. <laughs> you understand? And I personally have problems with it. You know, so I made, I decided actually to. Um, I'll take out any form of text mm. apart from uh, I think I took out the titles as well apart from dimensions and basically dimension and year of production you know the reason is because I wanted people to come and tell me what you feel tell me your experiences have I done a good job have I passed have I, have I delivered the message I'm supposed to deliver you know so that was that so what I do a lot of time is no matter how busy I am I find in between times to make sure that I I interact with everybody that is trying to communicate with me via any of my platforms. Okay. You know, like I will have late discussions with you as long as I have the time and it's, it relates to uh, arts or something positive about, you know, my, my goals or whatever I want to achieve. You know, so I'm open on my social media platform on Instagram. I'm, I think almost on all my social media platforms is art by Collins. Okay. Yeah, so if you add my colleagues on Twitter, on Instagram, and on, um, should I have that level again? Uh, okay, but for Facebook, it's my full name, uh, Abinoro Afrode Collins on Facebook. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank well, you. thank you so much, Collins, for being on our show today. Um, we are so honored to have you. It's been incredible. Thank you so much for answering our questions. Thank you. Yeah, and, and, and I'm excited to see both of you. You know, uh, I, I saw your pic- a lot more of your pictures uh, last two years and last year. And yeah. I was like, well, I look forward to meeting this great, this great guy that has, oh. you know, has formed this, my sister. <laughs> 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 you know, so I'm, I'm glad uh, seeing the both of you together and Thank seeing you. that um, you, you both are on the same mission, same purpose. I think family works better when we all are. You know, we are tuned to ways achieving same goal you know, for the betterment of everybody. So I'm really happy for the both of you. Thank you thank so you, much. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Once again, we would like to thank Abinoro Akporon de Collins for coming on the show. For over one week, NSARS has been trending on social media. Thousands have been protesting, hundreds have been injured and many have been killed as Nigerians call for the government to end SARS. The Special Anti-Robbery Squad, known as SARS, is a sector of Nigeria's Federal Police Department and was founded in 1992. It was created to protect citizens, but instead has terrorized Nigeria's youth. It is openly known that SARS participates in illegal activities, yet Nigeria's government turns a blind eye. Nigerians are asking that everyone all over the world help spread awareness for their cause, no matter your race, ethnicity, religion, or gender. Nigerians will need all the support they can get, especially since there are now speculations that Nigeria may shut down the internet. This would not be the first time a country has shut down the internet in order to mute a campaign. NSARS is part of Black Lives Matter. All Black Lives Matter. If you support Black Lives Matter, please support NSARS. Thank you.